Welcome to Bleed TV, the podcast of the best shows on TV, and I'm Cash. And I'm Larissa. Do you, do you hear something? I, I think we're being hacked. I don't, yeah? Do yeah. Some, some beeping? I don't know. It's a little weird. It's like there's a little sound. We're, we're giving this a little weird intro because we're here to do Mr. Robot, which anyone who's listening to this podcast and enjoys the show will know is a show about hackers. Yeah, it's... Uh... It was interesting for me because, you know, we're starting on season two. Uh, I marathoned season one the past few days. I'm very existential and depressed, as those of you who watch the show will also probably feel, especially maybe even after this two-part season premiere. Yeah, we did uh, both episodes, which I was interested to find out that they did a two-parter for their little season opening. It was called Unmask Episode, or Part 1 and 2. Dot .tc, which if anyone knows what that dot .tc is, go ahead and let us know, because that was one of the most confusing things I've ever seen. Yeah, I'm actually, I was very curious about that throughout watching all the episodes as to what that meant, but uh, I kind of liked the two-part episode. It, it worked for them, especially because they put the little intermission. Oh, yeah. Thing, it, know, it felt like it totally something they'd do. It felt like an old-timey movie experience, like I wanted to go get some popcorn or a bowl of ice cream or something just to enhance the second part of it. Yeah, exactly, which is odd, especially when you have such, you know, new-agey content, so, but, you know, we'll get into that whole thing, especially considering the fact that Mr. Robot's aesthetic has always been its own thing. Very much so. Now, speaking of this new-agey content, I recorded it and then watched it, so I was able to fast-forward through all the commercials. Did you watch it in a pretty new-agey way? Uh, Well, I watched it on the USA website Playback. How was that? Because I know History Channel's got a really good one. USA, if you're listening, you got some work to do, buddy. Because (laughs) that was the worst playback experience I've ever had. Not only did they have about five ads, long ads, minute and a half ads. Oh, wow. Yeah, it was also so laggy, which is ironic for a show about technology, that it was almost unwatchable. That is a little disappointing because I gotta say, I really loved this two-part season opener. And for a lot of different reasons, but one of the main reasons was Bravo USA as a network for dropping F-bombs all throughout the episode and a lot of different cussing all throughout. Multiple F-bombs. And, I mean, you were even talking about, there was a little creative one they did. Now, I mean, we'll hold off a little bit before we jump straight into it. But, overall, what did you think about the new additions to the cast this season and just the episode as a whole? Well, um, I really enjoyed, uh, Craig Robinson is his name, right? Yeah. Yeah, I really enjoyed him getting in there. It's always fun to see... Uh, I kind of call it the eternal sunshine of the spotless mind effect when you see a comedian in a drama role and um, it's always fun it's like a fish out of water especially when they do a good job you're even more impressed because you're not expecting it yeah I mean he didn't have to do a whole lot you know they haven't given him too much to do but what he did do just sitting there being a super talkative person and using words that I was not expecting to come out of his mouth or anyone's mouth I I really enjoyed his addition. Um, I enjoyed the FBI woman. We haven't learned much about her yet. Mm -mm. But um, I'm hoping we get more of her. I'm not sure of that actress's name, but uh, I really enjoyed her opener. I think it was uh, Lauren? Or no, that might have been her character name. Maybe. 
not entirely sure, but, you know, you see her at the convenience store, she knows everything about the owner, and then she's just, like, right into business, so I really, I want to see more of that character. I'm excited to see everybody that they brought in, even the uh, person who house they ended up hacking. Yeah, I loved the smart house. That was, uh, <laughs> it kind of made me wonder if things like that exist in the world. That I'm just, sure they do. It's just like, you, you don't you don't think about it. That just made me go back to the, uh, when I was watching it in the episode, was the old Disney Channel movie, which shout out to Disney Channel for having the best movies when I was growing up as a kid. But there was a movie Disney called... Channel original movies. Yeah, there was a movie called Smart House that... Oh, with the, with the maid woman who goes crazy? Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was, like, making him, like, the ice steak for his black eye and everything. And so that's what I was thinking about the entire time that scene was going on. I'm never going to be able to get that out of my head. <laughs> well, I'm very glad because that movie deserves a little bit more respect out there. Just like Cadet Kelly. Oh, yes. Xenon. So many. And there was the Irish one. But this is not about Disney Channel <laughs> movies. Maybe it should be. Oh, maybe we'll get there. A full marathon. Disney Channel original movies. <laughs> but, so we start, not necessarily right back where we left off. It's been a good bit of time, and Elliot's kind of left the group, and everybody. Yeah, it, it's interesting because, you know, he's... Uh, it's interesting to me because I want to know who was at the door at the end of season one. Because, you know, you open season two and he's already made this decision to move back home and completely change. Which, did we see his mom in season one? Have we seen seen his mom before? I don't remember her. We've seen her in his little kind of flashbacks. Yeah. And out of body experiences where he's kind of, you know, seeing things. But we haven't met her in reality. And just how receptive she was to him moving back and everything really kind of caught me off guard. Well, I know, you know, he he mentioned that she's the most strict person he knows. He did say that. So she probably enjoys having control over him. Okay, I can see that. Kind of, to an extent, but it, it was just weird seeing him, as he called it, going analog. When he's obviously the most gifted computer person that we've ever been known to see in television what was interesting to me the most about that whole thing was the fact that he went to a church group really yeah just because like i feel like those are the people he might judge the most well i mean he's always gonna judge and not really care to judge he just wanted a church group is always gonna meet no matter what so routine-wise, it's a good thing to have in there. And you don't have to worry about talking in a church group because there's always going to be four or five people who just want to talk and talk and talk. So, I mean, that's, that's why it, it didn't really shock me seeing him going there. Well, I guess that one little moment where he said amen with them and seemed to really be a part of it, that yeah. was kind of surprising to me. Well, I don't know. Saying amen was always one of the weirdest things to me because I always wanted to say yes, sir, no, sir. And I was just like, no, (laughs) you don't say amen there. Uh, You know, I would say that God is probably not a southern gentleman like you, so he's probably not expecting (laughs) 
that kind of uh, send-off, but, you know, good on you for having good manners. Oh, well, thank you. And then we also get to meet Elliot's new best friend. What, what were you thinking of him? I think he's hilarious. Like, my favorite part of, like, I, I could not stop laughing when he went, you know, this is my friend, we do all this stuff together, and, he, and he's like, he just started watching Seinfeld, it's really <laughs> fucking with him. And then his friend is immediately like, it's really fucking with me. And I just, like, lost it. He name drops the two episodes that I've seen perfectly. And was able to, like, resonate with him talking about this show perfectly. And I was just so happy. I was like, yes, I remember this. The Chinese restaurant. They cannot get a seat. They want to go to their movie. And they keep pushing things back and forth. And I was just cracking up at that. And then it was the parking lot episode. And they couldn't find the car, and they're carrying this box all throughout. I was laughing it. Shout out to Joey Badass for uh, doing such a great job. It's always weird seeing rappers try to get in on TV shows and stuff, and it was weird that this was the kind of person that they went after. Well, I think that they've always kind of, like, I, I feel like Mr. Robot has a very open casting call. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like they would, I can see them pretty much letting anyone read for a character. Obviously. So I think with him, maybe he made that decision and came in and convinced them. I don't know if they necessarily made that decision themselves. I'm not sure. I mean, I would say they kind of, they were looking for someone like him just because we have the basketball scenes going on. We've got Craig Robinson coming in talking to him and everything it looked like they were aiming for somebody around his character yeah i mean i can definitely see that being you know true but maybe not particularly a rapper oh okay i see what you're saying no definitely and we also had another famous person uh film a scene for this tv show that caught you a little bit off guard oh my god when obama said uh, we know Tyrell Wellick is involved in F-Society. I lost my mind. I was like, <laughs> Obama's on Mr. Robux? I love Obama. Like, I, I have such a political crush on him. I love that man. So to see him be a part of something like this just makes me love him even more because he's just so cool. <laughs> no, and it was great to see that they were able to get the president to come out and just do a simple line for them is huge. Yeah, because the thing is, is that they had a lot of political footage, but it could have kind of been from anything. They could have edited it in any shape, way, or form to make it work. But they got him to specifically say that. They did. Which is so interesting. And, I mean, USA's doing a lot of great things with this show, and the people that they're getting, casting, the little one-liners they're throwing out, and they're taking a lot of risk yeah, on this like, show. After watching this, you know, two-part opener, I, I can forgive them just barely for their their playback system. They got to work on it. But I can <laughs> okay, so we we've come back and it's looking like erasing the debt was just a small baby step. Like, is this where you expected it to be, or did you expect them to kind of be flourishing a little bit better? Well, actually, I expected it to be the way it was where the world is worse off in yeah. a lot of ways. Like, people can't get what they need. Uh, people, like, I, I actually thought about that 
when they were like, people won't be able to pay any rent, uh, you know, there will be no records. And I was like, yeah, but what about people who have paid off their debts? There's no records they did that either. And then they had that scene in the bank where that woman is like, I finished paying off my mortgage years ago. Why are you asking for payments? And they're like, well, we have no record that you finished paying it. So, I mean, so how... it goes the other way, too. Yeah, but I mean, then it makes me think of how do they have records that she had a debt? And then how are they going to be able to collect on it? All I can think is that, you know, since she said it was an old debt, yeah, maybe they had a paper trail. Okay. And so they're going after those people. I can see that, but at that point, there's just no way that I'd be willing to pay. Because it, oh, no, and she wasn't either. Yeah. And, you know, it was such a brilliant shot when in the bank, you know, you see all these people complaining to the tellers, and they act like they're doing stuff at their computers. And but they they're all frozen. Back, and you see that they've all been hacked. Yeah. But I don't know if, I think they just had been hacked. Like, I don't know if all the computers had already been hacked. I think that just happened right there. Oh, that would have been so much more fun if they'd been hacked the whole time and they just continued to lie. Yeah, it was just like, no, no, uh, everything I'm seeing here is saying that you have not paid off. And unless you can prove to us, then we're going to need that money from you. Oh, I really hope it was that. That'd be so much more fun. <laughs> no, I, I would agree with you, but having us go from that timer where it had 24 hours and then immediately cut over to 14 hours and we had the big wigs in the office... That's what's leading me to think that uh, it was, it just happened, you know? No, I get you. I understand. You're probably right. I'm just going to believe my version. Just to make a better so show. Satisfying. So know? much sassier. Yeah, so sassy. I uh, mean, there are so many things about this show that are so, like, as a filmmaker, that are just, like, wow, mind-blowing. Like, we'll get into that, but the aesthetic of this show is just completely its own it breaks so many rules i can't even begin to tell you well i cannot wait to hear some of those but before we do deep dive into some of the filming masterpiece that they're doing here and a lot of their shots who's a character that you you think it's changed a little bit but maybe possibly for the better angela no not angela angela she she's might have changed a little bit well, what are you seeing? Anything specifically, or just new hairdo? Or do you still have hair jealousy? Of Angela? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Angela's hair is just like this cascading waterfall of beauty. And then she has like the most perfect ponytail in existence in like the second episode. Hair envy for days on Angela. <laughs> Although she's she's too much like Karen from Daredevil for my liking. If you guys watch Daredevil, she's a little Karen-y. And if you do, go back and listen to our podcast that we did on Daredevil. There you go. Look at that little plug that I just did for you. Shameless. Shameless. But I, I definitely feel like Angela's becoming a lot harder and a little bit more savage. I, okay, here's my thing. Though the changes that she's going through probably aren't good for her as a person, they're very, very fun to watch as a participant watching the show. Yeah. Like, I very much enjoy seeing her be good at her job, seeing her be ruthless, seeing her be professional. 
Which she has always been good at her job. Yes, she has, but we haven't seen it. We've just kind of known, but we haven't been allowed to see her work. That's true. And I mean, she, for lack of a better term, had balls of steel on during her phone conversation. With Bloomberg? Yeah, like, I mean, she was calling bluffs and everything. And like I when loved she, it. When she puts her headphones in and just, like, stares at the phone. Like, Willing oh, it man. to call back. And I was just like, there's no way she's going to will this thing to call her back. It's just not going to happen. That's one of the things about the show that's so interesting is they use so many cliches. Like, that's a cliche, that scene. Oh, yeah. You know, making a big move and waiting for the call. Like, you were telling me when I watched the first season, you're going to, you know, know everything that's coming, which I did. But... It's still so interesting and so well done that it's okay. Yeah. You know, it, it's like you see these cliches happen and you're still entertained. Absolutely. Like, I mean, well, for some reason in my head, I was like, it's just not going to call back. She's going to get fired. She's cussed this person out. And we're going to see Angela go meet up with Elliot in some shape, way, or form. But it ended up flipping the script for me. And he immediately calls back Caves. And she hangs up just as her boss is coming, and she gets to look off the secretary or little evil minion drama queen office person and be like, yeah, you're too late. I've already gotten everything that I was supposed to do. And the boss lady was just like, you're calling me over for this? So satisfying. And I mean, I loved it. You know, that that actress, Portia Doubleday, is just like so flawlessly beautiful. That, you know, when she, when she does badass things like that, you're just like, slay, <laughs> yes, queen. <laughs> just such a good job. And yeah. I, I'm really liking where they're taking her character. Even though, like you said, we might not so... We're, we probably shouldn't be liking where they're taking her character because it looks like she's on the opposite side of this. Like, she got her debt cleared, and now she's working for the same companies and helping them out that we just took down. The only thing that was a little odd to me is uh, the scene where she's at the bar and uh, she meets with the lawyer and she tells the lawyer that she's not going to quit her job because she likes it. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the lawyer tells that analogy about how, you know, if a woman can be bought with a million dollars, she can be bought with one dollar. We've discovered what kind of woman you are. Now we're just negotiating. Exactly. That was then, probably the best line I've ever heard in my life. <laughs> so many good lines. Like, that caught me so off guard. After, you know, that, that man comes and picks her up and she goes home with him. And I was like, wait, what? <laughs> <laughs> so, are you saying your negotiating price was free? Yeah, and it's like, I, I think what she was doing was she's so obsessed with the idea of taking control of her own life and being, you know, the master of her fate and, you know, being powerful that I think she was so determined to prove the lawyer wrong that she's like, well, I'm going to go home with this guy anyway. But it just felt a little weird. And we'd never really seen her be like that with anybody. Obviously, her character's changed so much this season, but... Sex has never been a strong aspect of her character, even though it very easily could be. Something that bothers me about women, um, it seems on, uh, this also happens in Mozart in the Jungle, 
when a female character gets confidence or agency, she becomes sexually promiscuous. Yeah. Now, on the one hand, yes, do you, you know, if you want to have casual sex, you can't. That's, you know, I'm not judging them for it. But it just seems like that's the first thing. They're always like, oh, you know, this woman's confident, so she's going home with a random dude. And I think that's just the easiest way that they've found to show a woman's confidence, which is a sad, easy cop-out. It's lazy. I didn't like it. I mean, I still prefer the uh, get-out-of-my-fucking-cubicle, but you do you, USA. Angela, drop in an F-bomb. And I loved it. And I would like to know if anyone actually watched the premiere live. If these, if the f bombs were in there, because if so, you know USA dropping them at prime time. Good on you. Just Those even more bravo. Lines, oh, but I mean, I, I think we got everything out of Angela that we care to. Unless you have something else. Well, the only other thing I'd say is when she goes to buy a new pair of shoes. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I, I couldn't, I couldn't handle it. It was too awesome when that guy was like, "Don't you think that's kind of cold? You saw that guy die, and now you're here buying shoes." And she, and then he starts to try and make her feel bad, and she goes, "You have no idea who I am. I'll see the Pradas next." <laughs> and it's just like, "Yes, Queen!" Like she's just like slaying everyone. Hey, when you need a new pair of Pradas, you need a new pair of Pradas. Right. Someone who she ends up with Louis Vuittons, but you know, still good. Someone who's not wearing Prada or Louis Vuitton is good. Oh wow! How did I just blank on her name? His sister, Darlene. So, Darlene, man, I don't know why I just blanked on her name. But she is kind of leading this revolution now. Everyone split up. It's just her and the one guy, and she's looking to make some big moves. She was always, you know, in the first season, she was very idealistic about it. Mm -hmm. Like, when she was talking to um, the other female hacker, you know, the other hacker said, you just want anarchy. Yeah. You don't want what follows. You don't care. it's what follows. And she's kind of thriving in a new leadership role. Well, she's struggling internally, especially when you had that, you know, slow pushing in close-up of her in the bathroom crying. Mm-hmm. So you know that, you know, she's struggling with it because it's not what she thought it would be. But well, she's not giving up. They haven't gotten success that they thought they were going to have. Like, the economy isn't thriving, everyone isn't happy running through the streets hugging each other. Uh, Elliot has left her. And... It just, like you said, she's gotten the anarchy, but she's not where she wants to be. She didn't think she'd have to continue working, I don't think. Yeah, I think she just thought that, you know, they were going to execute and it would all just be, it would just happen. And they would have quote unquote won. But she sees it as, they didn't even necessarily win a battle because the top 1% is still the, now probably the half percent. Yeah, exactly. And so she's really struggling with that and trying to find a new way to battle them and win this, uh, we'll call it a war. I mean, a financial war. 
Yeah, I mean, I, I guess it is a good way to put it, it is a war. And unfortunately, we didn't get much of Darlene. And I mean, that, that's pretty much all that we had to base her showing off of. Yeah, I mean, we still know that she kind of lives by her own rules by, like, you know, hacking that smart house and uh, making it a base. So she still kind of does whatever she wants, but she's more responsible in her handling of the revolution. Mm-hmm. Making sure everyone takes different routes back to the house, isn't followed, isn't even allowing photos that can't get uploaded Yeah. on people's phones. Which, I, I thought it was stupid that the dude was wanting to take a photo in the first place. I mean, that whole group of people was stupid. I think that's also kind of something in her head, is like, she's not getting the type of followers she wanted. She's thinking, you know, she's going to get these, like, smart, informed people who are, quote, awake. And here, what she's really getting are kind of immature, silly people who just kind of want to, like, have fun and cause problems. Who are cutting the balls off of a bronze bull statue. Like, like ugh. Come on, guys. Let's not attract this kind of attention. At first, I thought they were just going to paint the balls blue. I, I mean, that would have been, that would have been fun. I felt like that would have been a lot better. But... I don't know. They don't have a lot of imagination, these particular followers. No. No, they do not. So. And now we're kind of just right back at Elliot, who is struggling with who he is and who is Mr. Robot and where do they connect. And what's real. Oh, he thought he knew it was real. You know, he's been in his analog state, right, in his diary, has the same routine, which... How is there that much dirtiness in a house that gets cleaned every single day? I actually did notice that. It's very dark in there. Super dark. And, I mean, this guy's having to clean four times a day? And he's not even eating there? I mean, you know, that mom clearly doesn't do much. No. And, uh... I think that it, the, it it's interesting because the house is so dark and obviously the his bedroom was shot to resemble a prison. I mean, they so, really only have like natural light coming in as the light, don't they? Well, yes, but it's also colored to look dark. Okay. Like, the dirtiness that you refer to is them coloring the cells to make the scene look darker. Okay. Because, I mean, they made it seem like only, like, the light was coming from the windows and the outside world and not necessarily any overhead lights, which I found interesting. Yeah, I mean, I would agree with that. They probably just had, like, really low-key fill lights, if anything. But, you know, they, they want him to see... They want him to seem like he's suffocating because the show doesn't want him to be in this analog routine. Mm-mm. The show wants him to be Mr. Robot, which he is. Yeah. Like, you know, it's it's his alter ego. It's very a uh, fight club. Yeah, and because, I mean, they definitely put it off like that to where his dad being his alter ego was a big twist that I didn't necessarily see coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I appreciated it being that way because when I uh, saw the first season, I remember thinking, okay, this family thing's coming way out of nowhere they're forcing this to happen this is dumb like i was getting kind of pissed off about it Mm -hmm. but then you know making the dad 
the alter the ego. alter ego and actually not alive, I was like, okay, all right, I, all right, I'll stick with it. You know, it explains the drugs and everything. And, yeah, you know, I, I really liked it. And he's off the drugs. But now he's kind of taking a... For some reason, his therapist has kept him. I don't know why. I'm glad she did, though, because I like her as an actress. Me too. But he's using the uh, journal as kind of a way to replace the drugs that he was taking. But now he's got to start wondering if every time he goes to sleep, is he actually sleeping? Which clearly he's not, based upon, you know, the second scene we had with Craig Robinson and then the end of the episode where he's just randomly on the phone and on the other line is Tyrell. Mm -hmm. And he's been wondering where Tyrell is for, like, since last season. And I'm not sure if we got an exact time that has passed, but I'm excited to see where Tyrell is and what he's doing because we know what his wife's doing. She's living it up. We do know what his wife is doing. And who she's doing. And it's not Tyrell. And he is not bad looking. No? No. A pretty good looking guy. Yeah, you know. I wouldn't kick him out of the bed for eating cookies. <laughs> <laughs> only if you didn't share them. Yeah, only if you didn't share them. Then we're done. <laughs> but uh, she's back up to her old bag of tricks and everything. Having the interesting sex that is... It's just good to see a variety, you know? It's not something that you see in every TV show or anything. It's just USA going out on another limb. I mean, a big hot topic is spousal abuse. And here we see him just full on slapping the crap out of her. Well, I think, you know, there's there's been a, there was a lot of talk, especially when, like, you know, Fifty Shades of Grey came out mm-hmm. from, like, the BDSM community and how it's a lot about consent and it's a lot about limits and it's not you know what what has been popularized is like you know the rihanna song whips and chains excite me yeah (laughs) and so i think with uh tyrell's wife we kind of get a more maybe a more realistic picture of that subculture which i think is wonderful but i mean it's just you don't expect to see that from a station like usa today or USA. It's funny. I I, it's, I agree with you now that I think about it. It didn't shock me because I'm so used to watching things on, like, HBO. Mm-hmm. Where stuff like that happens all the time. But, uh, you know, it is network. So you're right. Yeah, that, you know, we get a bunch of F-bombs and we get some pretty kinky sex. Yeah, like, I mean, if it was, like, FX, I could maybe see it or Spike or something. But USA, I was like, man. This is where I watched Burn Notice and, like, other shows. It was more lighthearted. Yeah, I was kind of surprised when they were doing, like, the advisory warnings at the beginning of the episode and it said sex. I was like, who's having sex? (laughs) Everybody. 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 Oh, man. And I'm very interested. Do you think that she's still going to play a very large part? Because, I mean, she's very power-hungry. Well, she she has this need to be taken care of. Yeah. Um, you know, like, she told him, she said, like, you fix this if you want to be a part of this family in the first season. And then, but yet, even though he's kind of disgraced and disappeared, she still wears a wedding ring. She's still claiming him. 
Yes, she's still, you know, she's still claiming him as her husband, even though, you know, she she says to that guy, like, we can't be seen together and whatnot. So I think she's trying to protect at least the image of her marriage. He's still, there's still a lot of power that's coming being married to him, I think. And she's wanting to very much keep whatever influence he has so she can further herself. Now, we what, also had that great scene where Elliot goes to see her, hmm. and uh, and he's like, I feel like she knows exactly what I'm thinking. I feel like she can hear us. Oh, yeah. And her eyes are just so blue at that moment. She's a very insidious character. I'm really excited to see where she goes, and I think that she's going to end up being the quote-unquote bad guy of the season. Yeah, at least one of them. Do you have someone else in mind? Well, you know. Or do you think our main, or do you think Elliot is the bad guy? Well, Evil Corp is supposed to be the bad guy. Mm-hmm. But in this season, it is kind of flipping it, like you said, where Elliot is kind of the bad guy because he's the one who caused all this. Even though he doesn't remember doing it, even still, which is why he's looking for Tyrell. Yeah. But, um, I don't know. I think, I think this season is going to stop making heroes out of the hackers a little, little more. It's going to kind of stop that a little bit. Okay. And, uh, kind of put... Evil Corp and F Society kind of show them for what they are on both sides. Well, were you surprised when they asked for $5.9 million out of Evil Corp? I was. There were a lot of things going through my head. I was like, well, they can't want the money. Yeah. I know they don't want money. So why that specific number and why money at all? Yeah, I, I was really thrown off by it, especially the number. The number was such an odd freaking number. Like, it just didn't make any sense to me. Well, the only thing I can think is that, you know, when he's talking to uh, the board of the government later, they're like, this was the cash we had on hand. So all I can think is they knew the specific amount of, like, quote, petty cash. Mm-hmm. That they were going to ha- be able to have to give to them. Maybe, but I don't know how they would have found that out. Now, I mean, obviously we could say they hacked them and were able to figure out how much petty cash was on hand. But I, I think there is a more specific reason why they chose $5.9 million. Well, they haven't told us yet. No, which I, I feel like we'll probably find out in the next two or three episodes. But... I love what they did with the money. I loved that scene. Number one, shot beautifully. Well, were you surprised that he ended up volunteering to take the money out to him? No, I wasn't. Because, you know, he kind of sees himself as a man with nothing to lose. Like, after he lost his wife. Lost his wife. had, Had the weird promotion, and then the company folds underneath him. Like, I feel like he doesn't care. As long as he keeps his money, what what else does he have? Yeah, he's kind of looking for an enemy. Someone to attack. Like, he's angry. And maybe he kind of wants to see their face. Okay. No, I mean, I definitely view it the same way, but I was just trying to see if there's a different view. 
what did you what did you think of what uh, they ended up having him do with the money? Caught off guard. I thought they were going to have him just throw the money up in the air and have everyone come and grab it. That's what I thought when he started like dumping it out of just so hastily. I thought he was just going to like leave it in a pile and people were going to like swarm. Mm-hmm. But what they did was so much better. I mean, you've got like a freaking Phil Collins song playing in the background. <laughs> like, is this Tarzan? It just it was genius. And then they gave him gas and everything. And the message was in the mask for him to do it. So you, I was a little weirded out that they had him wearing F Society mask, though. Well, so I were they... They, were they, they wanted people to know that they don't care about money. Which, I suppose. It felt like a bad play to me because, you know, you've got people who have paid off these debts like that we were talking about in the beginning of the episode and they're still owing evil court money and here you are able to get it and you're just having them burn it. Well, I think that shows that Darlene is still naive in a lot of ways. Yeah. Well, I mean, it came back with positive, like, positive feedback for F Society and negative feedback for Evil Corp. So, I mean, it worked for exactly what she wanted. Because all the news stations were talking about was, it looks so bad that a high up from Evil Corp is sitting here burning $5.9 million. When everyone else is struggling. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it got the exact message that Darlene was wanting. I just was finding it weird that she had him put on an F Society mask. But maybe it was just would have been seemed too implausible that someone that high up was part of F Society. Yeah, I understand what you're saying. Um, I think she's just she's kind of obsessed with being known and being seen. That there's no way she could have let it happen without people knowing that F Society know, had, had a hand, hand in it. it. Well, not her because. She, her name's not out there, just F Society well, in general. the Society, which she considers to be hers. Okay. But as far as that, you know, were there any epic shots or creative things that the show did this in these first two episodes that you really enjoyed? Okay, number one, this show does this thing where they'll have conversations where people are in the lower like left or right hand corner Mm -hmm. in like a medium shot that's not done (laughs) like it's breaking so many rules i can't even begin to tell you and we'll have like over the shoulder conversations where they're far away yeah and you're kind of focusing on them yeah and then like the the framing is weird and when shots are symmetrical which does happen it really strikes you because most of it's not when when most you know Hollywood movies try to be symmetrical because it's pleasing to the eye. Yeah. And you know the reason they follow that kind of editing is because it makes you forget that you're in a you're watching something. I think this wants you to remember that. Yeah, it, it almost kind of like grabs you by the shoulder and shakes you. It's like, hey, you're watching a TV show. You know, don't get too sucked in. Well, I think it's another way of showing kind of, you know, Elliot's wondering what's real. Mm-hmm. Why shouldn't we? And I really enjoy, like, he's just sitting there talking to us like, hey, you broke my trust. You knew what was going on and you didn't tell me. And I was just like, I was telling you. I was screaming at the TV, man. 
<laughs> you're not listening. Yeah, and so I really like how, you know, it's almost Dora the Explorer kind of fan interactive. Dora the Explorer? Yeah. I was thinking more House of Cards, but okay. Uh, okay, I mean, I can see that. I just wrote off House of Cards after season one that I kind of don't want to think about it ever again in my life. That makes me angry. Season one was good. Yeah, but season two was awful, and season three Season was... two was great! After they killed off Zoe, it was over. No, it wasn't. That was such a good move. Whatever. We're not here to talk about House of Cards. No. But the one thing that really got me was right when uh, his alter ego himself shot himself in the head, which was really confusing to me. Like I, I really wish we would have seen the unpsychotic version of it to where he was holding the gun or something. Like, how did he shoot himself in the head and we have the actual bullet hole? I mean, this show really, really pushes the whole what's real, what's not, what's in his head, da, 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 to kind of like a point of really sometimes. Because yeah. I and really did not expect him to shoot him. It, I jolted. Yeah, I, I did too. I was like, and he just shot him. I don't know how this just happened. I mean, which was over the interesting F-bomb. Yes. yes. So go ahead and let us know about that. Well, okay. So in television, you're allowed to say fuck if it's not sexual. So you can't say what Elliot was trying to say, which is go fuck yourself. So it cut him off by shooting him in the middle of yourself. Mm-hmm. So we all know what he's trying to say. And they got away with dropping a sexual F-bomb. But... <laughs> Because it was cut off and not completed, I'm sure they weren't fine for it. Well, bravo, USA, for using loopholes in a positive way. Very uh, South Park of you. <laughs> well, there's nothing else that I can really think of about the episode. Is there anything that you got going on? Well, oh, Gideon? Oh, wow. Completely forgot about Gideon. Like... So, number one, we have that really touching scene with his uh, boyfriend. Yeah. Or husband, I'm not sure. We'll just say boyfriend for now, because I don't know if they got married. Uh, and it's so sweet, and he's like, you know, look at this man who loves you more than anything and say that you failed. And I loved, you know, that they're doing that with a same-sex couple, because a lot of uh, same shows that will even have same-sex couples will shy away from, like, complete tenderness like that. Mm-hmm. Because it, you know, makes people uncomfortable or whatever. So I enjoyed that scene. It was very pretty. And then, like, we immediately get, you know, at the end when Gideon's at the bar and the guy's like, he left you. And we're like, what? When? What? Like, they were just really happy a second ago. Yeah. What happened? And then the guy shoots him and Gideon's gone. Not expecting him to be the scapegoat. Like, I just thought he was going to cheat on his husband. Anything. I didn't expect him to kill him that quickly and quietly. I mean, I know he became a problem for Elliot, but to just blow him off the map, my God. Like. So, so cold. He said, I'm doing this for my country before yeah. he shot him. But he called him a scapegoat before that. For Ecor, I didn't really understand that. Maybe he—they knew that he was because he said he knew enough to put 
uh, Elliot away, or to at least have the FBI investigate him. So, so maybe you think it was like an F Society person. Maybe it was F Society. Maybe Mr. Robot put him on there, or maybe it was Tyrell, because he's coming back into the Tyrell fold. Doing that. Because if you can get to Elliot, then you can get to Tyrell. And it's interesting because Gideon, you know, throughout the whole series so far, you know, Elliot always said Gideon was an eminently kind, reasonable person. He kind of looked up to him. And I yeah. mean, Gideon and wasn't necessarily the best. Gideon was trying to bring him down. Yeah. Um, he respected him. Well, and it wasn't even that Gideon was trying to bring him down. He was just trying to get his name cleared. Yeah. And I think... Gideon almost had to die to be the show's kind of loss of innocence, in a way. Yeah. Oh, well, I don't know about that. The show lost its innocence before it even started, I think. Well, it's final loss. It's rock bottom. Yeah. Now we can start building them back up. Well, we'll see. <laughs> They've got farther to go, I think. You just said they hit rock bottom. Well, you know, if we've learned anything from shows like The Walking Dead, there's rock bottom, and then there's rock bottom. <laughs> so, you know, you think they're at rock bottom, and then somebody... It's just hard soil? Zombies. We're just at hard soil right now? Yes, we are, we are, uh, we're in the prison, and uh, we're, we're waiting for the, the governor to come shoot us up. That's what's happening right now. We're waiting for the actual rock bottom. Well, thanks for ruining, like, episodes, seasons three and four for me. Always a pleasure. Oh, you know, it doesn't act... I didn't tell you anything. You don't know who dies. No, just the governor's gonna murder a few people. Don't even know who the governor is. No, I'm sorry. <laughs> oh, man. I thought you'd gotten farther. Nope. I'm so sad. I don't know if I can continue with this podcast. I'm so devastated. Well, on that note, oh, no. if you have uh, anything that you would like to tell us, contact us, comment, please go ahead and do. We have a Gmail, TV Podcast at Gmail. We're on Facebook and Twitter. We love having conversations with fans. It's uh, at TV Podcast. And just let us know if you liked it. Give us a little bit of feedback. Anyway, I'm Cash. And I am devastatedly yours, Larissa. And uh, can't wait to talk to you all next week. See ya.